Greetings and welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, Pete Lorimer, former hit record producer and now host of the show Stay Here on Netflix and owner of LA's most creative boutique real estate firm, PLG Estates. On the podcast, you will always find business and real estate strategies, marketing techniques and tips for the entrepreneur. So hit the big bloody subscribe button, would you? Uh, Give it a like and also please share this podcast with someone else that might get value from it. Greetings, my lovelies. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast. Once again, I have turned the barrel of the gun on some poor, unsuspecting, wonderful persons. Well, I don't want to say face because that sounds terribly aggressive, but you, you, you get the metaphor. I am joined today by Rob Jensen, who is the president of Rob Jensen Properties, who is a broker owner, Rob Jensen Company, beg your pardon. I wanted to have Rob on the show because you guys have heard me over the years talk about niching down. You gotta be in your niche. And so Rob has kind of uh, taken that to the next level, but also Rob is no stranger to broadcasting. He commentates for numerous national broadcast television networks, including MSB, NBC, Bravo. He's also provided content and commentary to the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Wealth Magazine, Los Angeles Times. Where does it end? Where does it end, Rob? It seems like you are uh, as, as, as everywhere as I am, if, if not more. It is a delight to formally welcome you to the show. Thanks very much for being here. Yes! Fantastic, and thanks for spending this special day. It's Valentine's Day, of course, so looking forward to spending a little time with you on it. Well, happy Valentine's. Well, you, I guess you are, I'm your Valentine and you're mine today. So, uh, <laughs> so... Before we kind of leap into a bunch of questions that I've got for you, if you would just kind of give the listeners in a quick synopsis, just kind of like the 10-second tour of, of just exactly who Rob Jensen is. Got it. So Rob Jensen is a person. I run the Rob Jensen Company, which is our 15-person brokerage. It's a unique model. Everyone's an employee, including the sales folks. We specialize in guard-gated real estate. And on the fun side, I like to rock climb. That's really my big passion. It's more of an addiction, I'd say. I do like to do a little bit of kiteboarding as well. Like to, nice to get out in the sunshine. And uh, from Eugene, Oregon, been living in Las Vegas for about 20 years. Love it here. And I'm the oldest of five kids. Love it. Love it. I mean, I love the rock climbing. You're not one of those crazy ropeless dudes, are you? I use a rope, but to give you a little fun, this was just kind of a fun Halloween shot. I'm going to tilt my screen a little bit at this photo <laughs> where I in the background. So. This is an actual rock climb, you see, but for this Halloween, of course, they dressed up as Spider-Man, since people like to make the reference. So. Yeah, the idea of hanging over a thread uh, hundreds of feet up in the air. I'll try a lot of stuff. I'm not very good with heights. And I actually, if you want a, a, if you want a, want a treat, Rob, I am not sponsored by Oculus, but I treated myself and bought myself an Oculus Quest last year. And I love it to kind of relax and look at the world and what have you. And then there's an awesome virtual reality video of the dude who climbed the Yosemite rock face. What was his name? Alex, Alex Honnold. The guy that did it with Ropeless, right? Exactly. So there is a, a VR 
version of that movie where you are on the rock face with him and it is bone chilling. So anyway, I digress. <laughs> I digress. So sounds, Rob. Sounds very fun. You've been in the business about the same time as me, 15 years, 14 years. What was the genesis of yourself as an agent and then your company? Did you start as a, as a regular agent and then decide that you found a niche that you wanted to exploit or did you just immediately jump into this? So for me, um, you know, I was originally pre-med, went to college for that and was got a degree in biology, but just decided the hospital thing, that environment wasn't quite my um, thing. And later on, I got exposed to real estate. Sales was always a good fit for me. You know, I I didn't get to go on the eighth grade trip because I was selling, you know, fireworks in school and gum in middle school. It's always been a sort of in my blood, so to speak. So I started in 2003, which was a great time to start. It was when the new home boom was kicking off. You know, it was the beginning of the the real estate bubble and a lot of fun and just a lot of, I just loved it. You know, I was just on the phone, running around, meeting people, touring new neighborhoods and whatnot. and as I grew and started to really spend a lot of time in these hiring communities and spending a lot of time marketing and doing open houses and whatnot, it just became my specialty. And, you know, when it came down to then, you know, ultimately describing what it is, as you say, my, my niche or my, my specialty and, you know, kind of referencing Al Reese and Jack Trout and their sort of big book on positioning. And that's where ultimately I came up with the guard gated real estate because, one of the big defining factors in Las Vegas real estate is the guard gate. You know, a lot of right. these communities, these country clubs, these high-end custom-owned communities have this guard. Now, it's not all of them, but it's literally almost all of them. You know, there are some bigger horse properties in the northwest or the southwest. There are some compounds down on like Tomiyasu or like the Section 10 area where Michael Jackson was living for a while. But in general, that guard gate is definitely a much more specific tangible for defining the luxury space. So in about 2013, well, it was 2013, that's when I made the jump to open my own brokerage, the Rob Jensen Company, and um, off I went. So you started pretty much in the market that you, you still remain in, right? You're in new homes, which I presume was these luxury guard-gated communities that were getting built, and you just kind of parlayed one thing into the next. Yeah, so it was a lot of just my sales in general in the beginning was new construction. And that's because things were just going gangbusters. And once you found a few great clients, they wanted to buy more and more and more because at the time you could put down a $5,000 earnest money check. And, you know, six, eight months later, the home was worth $70,000, $80,000 more. And you hadn't even made a mortgage payment yet. And so, of course, people were into that. So throughout that time, I was spending time in these higher end communities and sort of building my name. And then when the market, took a turn for the worse. You know, I spent that next fair amount of time dealing more with short sales and whatnot because there were people still buying and selling, but the market was just different. And then just really got focused on, okay, this is the segment I need to, of the market I need to specialize in and really drill down on my marketing and where I focused, focused my time. You said something really interesting, which is I remember, you know, you and I are, are both pre-apocalyptic real estate agents. We were in it before 2008. And kind of like it just rolled off your tongue that you switched your regular business into short sale business. I remember 2010, which was probably the worst year nobody wanted to buy in LA. I actually had one of my biggest years as a new agent because I felt that there was an opportunity to take advantage of a market for more of the investors. So it's interesting to hear that you, without missing a beat, switched your business out because I came to Las Vegas. I came to Las Vegas in 2010. 
you guys got hammered, man. I came to, was it Lake Las Vegas? Oh, yeah. Those things got down to like, I mean, in general, Vegas fell 60, 70%. But I remember seeing some properties that sold in Lake Las Vegas, like in the condos there for like about 300,000. And later, some of them sold for like 30 to 40, like literally 10% of what, of what they were. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. That is just quite unbelievable. So what made you switch from medicine to real estate? What happened? It just was more of a natural fit. You know, I've always enjoyed science and biology and genetics and all this, this fun stuff. And I was spending a lot of time just volunteering in hospitals throughout high school and also college. And at the end, I just kind of felt like it just didn't at the time grab me, you know? And so I actually just went traveling and, and rock climbing for a year and a half or so. And was obviously constantly reminded by my mom that I wasn't, I didn't go to college to be, be a rock climber. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of funny though, because it was actually a, a good friend of mine that was a professional sponsored climber that was making the transition into real estate at about the time I moved to Vegas. And I went on some appointments with him and it was just love at first sight. Yeah. Not, not with him, but with real estate. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's clear that up. Um, so <laughs> now naturally when one is a real estate agent, there are real estate agents and then there are those that take the jump to start a brokerage, which I guess would be uh, an entrepreneurial move. One is neither better than the other, but what made you want to walk out of the warm bosom of comfort of someone else taking the risk and providing the staff and the support. What made you want to start your own firm? You crazy guy, you. <laughs> yeah, just like you, right? Yeah. It was just this logical progression for me in the sense that um, I spent about eight years at Remax, which was great. It was great as a new agent because obviously in the beginning, it was really important to be a notable brokerage because that's important to clients that didn't know me, but it helps them for them to know the company. And, and at the time, Remax was really big. And then as things were sort of changing in the market in that brokerage at the time, I shifted to Keller Williams. That was a neat place. And um, I had some fun while I was there. And then they were going to maybe change locations, but they weren't really sure if they were moving. And I, and I literally, I needed to get new business cards and stationery. And I didn't know what address to put on it because they wouldn't make up their mind. And I'm like, forget it. I'm, I felt like at the time I'd sort of outgrown the, the pot, so to speak, that I was my tree was growing and I needed a bigger pot to have a little bit of room. And, and at that time I had been sending out mail and marketing for, I mean, I started in 2003. And so it's just been a lot of time. So by then I've developed a brand and a name for myself. So at the time it's like, okay, I'm going to go. Plus it to me, what was kind of a little frustrating in that in some of those environments that when we'd have people come on the team and, and then maybe leave for whatever reason, maybe it was neutral. Maybe they just want to do their own thing. That was fine. But it was kind of bizarre that they could then they were still in the same office sitting next to my other team members, even though they were on the team. So I was just <laughs> like, wait a minute. Are, yeah, yeah, are you, yeah. So to, for me to just sort of do this concept, I thought, okay, this is going to be fun. And that's where I made the leap and did my own thing. But it's a little different than what you're up to. I know I've, I've followed your brand for a while as well. And you've got some pretty neat things going on too. So, so as you and I both know, we got into the real estate game right kind of simultaneously at the same time as the birth of social media. I know that social media is something that has defined who I have been as someone in the real estate industry. As your business and company has evolved and grown, how have you changed 
your method of attracting clients. Are you using a lot of video? Are you using a lot of social media? Is that a focus for you? Yeah, so we've definitely took the Gary V pill, so to speak, and have really gone um, all in on the social campaigns. And just give you a little bit of the flavor. We, for the longest time, it was just a lot of direct mail that I do, as we still do. It's a little bit of the bread and butter. But we've got Max as our full-time video guy. We've got Andy that writes copy. We've got Mike that works with graphics. And then Kyle's our marketing manager that helps run a lot of ad campaigns behind it. So between property videos to real estate advice videos that we transcribe and turn into articles to, you know, obviously Instagram posts, LinkedIn posts, we're really doing a lot and we're, which has been fun both on the content creation side, but then we've been learning a lot on the ad and the promotion side of it, because you can create some of the neatest content there is, but if no one's seeing it, then I mean, hey, I just want more people to see it. So we're, we've been getting better at that too. And have you seen a marked increase? Do you track where your clients come from or do you, do you track? I mean, it's very hard to track social media, but have you felt that when you've been in environments, people are like, oh, Rob, I saw that video, blah, 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 blah. I love what you did here. I love what you did there. Yeah, so it's growing. So the property video sides of things was something that's always been um, helpful and people have seen what we've done and really like that. It's really paid off the way um, we're able to tell stories about communities or, you know, the homeowners or the builder talk about the house. So, so yes, that in itself has paid off. Some of these newer tactics where we're working with demographic lists and YouTube intentional audiences, these are some newer tactics that have not necessarily paid off yet because we were only about two months in on some of these new campaigns. Yeah. YouTube is a beast, dude. Oh my God. YouTube just makes me want to weep. It is just so, oh, it's such a tough nut to crack. So how do you stay on top of all of the new developments? How do you stay on top of what's happening in Las Vegas? What are some of the resources that, that you could recommend an established agent, a veteran agent, a new agent? What do you read to stay on top of our industry? Robert Campbell writes a timing letter. He's out of California. And so I'd strongly recommend jumping in on that. He it comes out every other month. And it's good. He's got um, some really good indicators that, you know, he basically called the top and then the bottom in specific markets and was right about it. Unfortunately, I didn't get his start getting his newsletter until well after the fact. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we actually had him come out to talk to a group. So Robert Campbell, for sure. And then I like, I think Thousand Watt, they, uh, they put out a good uh, regular blog post. That's kind of a nice state of the industry and things that are going on as well. You know, Tom Ferry's always got some fun stuff to share and then sure. just kind of whatever sure. else comes my way in the news and whatnot. And, and of course, Pete Lorimer's posts well, are always, always motivational. <laughs> <laughs> well, always. Always. So you are uh, a fellow coffeehead, I see. I have a very, very precious morning routine. And if I don't do my morning routine, the day just doesn't go the way that I hope it would go. Do you have any kind of, what is your morning routine to kind of set you up for, for battle for the day? For me, it just depends if it's a gym day or not a gym day. So to me, a lot of my climbing training, I try and get that in in the morning, just powers me up for the day. So whether it's just climbing or some weights or something simple. And then I'm just big on planning. I'm just kind of become this planning nut. So whether it's, you know, looking at big picture stuff on, um, I've got a little notebook that's sitting around here on just overall, like what are big picture items we need to work with, whether it's business, CRM, marketing, training, or, you know, personal items, or, you know, and then my schedule in the 
itself. Like I'm just big on the night before reviewing my schedule planning for the day and then reviewing that the day of and just making sure I'm clear on really what are the big, those big rocks that I need to get done that day. Because I know the little gaps are going to get filled up with calls and, and fires and everything in between. Sure. Yeah, the night before planning is something that I, I have uh, uh, embraced for, for many years now. So you, I'm sure, have sold some massive homes. I'm going to ask you what's the biggest home you've sold. Price point and the size. Biggest, <laughs> the, um, the biggest one, I think it was price point was 3.7. The biggest actual property was one that we represented both parties on. I think it sold for just under 3.5. And it was a castle. I think it was about 12,000 square foot castle on the lake, originally built for over $8 million in this area called the Lakes of Los, well, this, this, originally just called the Lakes, and it started off Sahara and Durango, and it's on the water, and it's proper castle, modeled off of one in Ireland with a slate roof, over a million dollars in Honduras mahogany, and very unique, and so is the, both the seller and the buyer that we found for it. Well, the seller must be very unique, seeing as they just swallowed five million bucks in the sale of it. <laughs> well, our seller this go around fortunately got it as, as a short sale. Oh, it's a quick, the quick story is that the first seller, they, yeah, they swallowed that loss just because they were looking to downsize and it had been on the market for years. I didn't help sell it the first time, but that original seller, I did help them buy. The person that bought it was, there was a brokerage called Dyson and Dyson that bought it and one of the owners of that company. And he bought it with the plans to do a big renovation and then bought it right at the peak. So when the market oh. went down, kind of the, lost the brokerage, lost the house. So my client then picked it up as the short sale. So fortunately, he actually um, did well on that sale. Ironic, it was a real estate professional that made the blunder. So let's talk about you. Have a, uh, uh, one of your little catchphrases is, we always deliver what we promise. So explain that. What, what, where did, what's the genesis of it? And uh, what do you mean by we always deliver what we promise? Well, I think what happens in this day of, you know, all these shiny, what is it, shiny nuggets out there where it's like everyone's looking for the latest and greatest in marketing or tactics or tips or video, that they kind of forget about the fundamentals, which is just like doing a good job. And in Vegas, especially, I feel like the vendors, it's just like notorious for people being flaky and no shows and just it's just like pulling teeth to get things done and get people to just do what they signed up for. I mean, you'll be people that come out to bid on something and they never get you the bid or they get you the bid and then they're MIA. And so to me, I just feel this is a foundational thing, like just doing a really good job and communicating and doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it is just good business. And, the, and yeah. if you're not doing that, <laughs> then that's, yeah. What you're doing? If you're not doing that, what yeah. you're doing? Right? <laughs> it's like my old record well, partner. When, when I was a record producer, he said to me, Pete, his name's Richard Humptivision. And he was like, uh, Chief, he used to come Chief. Chief, 95% of this game is showing up when you say you're going to be there, suiting and booting. And, uh, and it stuck with me because <laughs> it's the same in any industry. Okay, so one, uh, I'm gonna, I've got one more question and we're going to get into rapid fire, which is, Company culture is something that I live and die by. I mean, mine is a little bit, you know, I guess a little, my office doesn't look like a real estate office, but that is, you know, by design, <laughs> it looks more like a record label, right? You know, you, our, our <laughs> office looks like the Soho house of real estate, but that's by design. I love it. What is, what's your company culture and how do you kind of help it flower? 
What do you do to amplify your company culture? What's a little different here is there's 15 of us and of myself and the additional four salespeople, everyone's actually an employee, which is a little different where it's not a regular brokerage where you have, you may have a lot more people, but then you're, it's kind of like, how are you? I mean, it's how do they get motivated to come in and do good and do better here? It's still the same challenge to get people to, you know, get better and want to perform. So the way I try and do my best to instill that is I still like to spend a lot of time with everyone individually, both reviewing on projects and trying to help and coach and train, you know, so one-on-one time plus team time, whether it's team, you know, lunch, dinner, drinks, and then it's just kind of become this culture of a little bit fast paced and results, but then humor, you know, mixed in with a good batch of humor. I like to keep it fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very important that Richard Branson, who is one of my heroes says, Every garden needs to be fed and watered every day. And I'm always, I've been in offices where, you know, the owners of companies are ogres and they're yelling at everybody. And that's always really coming from a place of fear. Whereas I think, you know, company culture at PLG is, it's one of our greatest assets. You know, I'm really proud of it. We all love each other. We hang out with each other and it's extremely powerful. So I'm glad to hear that you subscribe to the uh, same theory. Okay, I am going to finish my friend. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, just one quick thing to add to that. It was, there's this great business guy out there, Keith Cunningham. He's got a, a fun book I've been listening to lately. And, and one of the things he talks about with culture as well is that culture is a lot, it's more than just the perks. It's not just like, oh, there's, a, there's great snacks in the break room, or you get to bring your pet to the office on Tuesdays, or you get to have naps. Like, it's not just the perks, it's, it's the culture. And, and to me, I'm looking to instill this culture of learning, growth, and results. You know, and where it's like A players like to play with other A players. And so I like to try and bring that to the table where we can have fun together. But we are on this sales team. It's like a sports sales team, you know, where you want to work hard and, you know, still play together. So, And I think, you know, there is definitely something, a common thread between people that start brokerages, I feel, which is it's innate, innate that we want to share what we've learned, right? There are no secrets at PLG. It sounds like there are no secrets at your company. And I believe that knowledge is, is never owned, it's borrowed, and it's our duty to, to pass it on. So then we all win. Super. Okay, Super. rapid fire, rapid fire. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite book? Favorite business book, favorite novel? Well, I'd say that my favorite business book is the one I'm reading right now by Keith Cunningham, and it's called The Road Less Stupid. It's great, Ooh. Keith Cunningham, The Road Less Stupid. And what's the favorite yeah, it's novel? It's, I'm going to just go with Harry Potter. I mean, I, I know I've read plenty of them. I, I could throw in Lord of the Rings. I mean, I'm sure there's more. It's just been, I've gotten so carried away with reading business books and um, marketing books. I think I forgot. What the I know, dude. It's like, it's like the last novel I read, I was like 14. Not even, probably 11. No, no, no. As soon as I could, you know, read business books at probably 14 years old, the, the novels went bye-bye. Top three cities you want to visit that you've never been let's go uh barcelona i'll go austin and munich that's some spread there brother austin barcelona Sorry, well, munich they're they're all kind of rock climbing related so i've, oh, I've spent okay. time in yeah <laughs> who knew there was rock climbing in barcelona last question if your house was burning down 
and you could only grab three items, what would they be, excluding family? <laughs> Man, it's funny because I think about that often. I think about all the different friends that come and go through my house, and I'm like, yeah, is there really anything to steal from here? And I'm, they, I think it would really be something, things like pictures. Like I've still got some old school picture books of, you know, the old school style that people used to do. Probably just like some financial documents and I don't know, maybe a, a sweater or a jacket or something. I really, I just feel like everything else I've got, you know, whether it's my computers or the kiteboarding stuff like that, I can buy new stuff. My whole gym setup, that's all steel. It's not going to melt, so it'll still be there after the fire. And um, <laughs> all my climb, rock climbing stuff is wood. I can buy more of that. So I, I think it'd be more of the personal stuff that I really couldn't replace all that easily. Okay, good. So just in case your wife is listening, it would, of course, be the wedding photos. So, um, all course. right, R Rob, so with that, with, I want to give you a massive round of applause. Thank you for being on the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast. You have been a marvelous guest. How can people find you? RobJensen.com. That's our website, and that's J-E-N-S-E-N. And then we're also on um, Instagram and whatnot at, at RobJensenCo, R-O-B-J-E-N-S-E-N-C-O. All right, marvelous. Well, thank you, my friend. You have a friend in me moving forward. You have alumni in Los Angeles. I'm sure you've got plenty of others, but you've gotten another one now. Uh, again, thank you very much for being on the show, Rob. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And hit me up next time you're in Vegas. Dinner is off me, so let's do it. It's a deal. My wife loves Vegas. <laughs>